It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. You couldn't ask for a more busy news day, I'll tell you that. Thanks for joining the show, Pushing the Limits. And uh, we got some great guests lined up for you. Yeah, we kind of have a lot going on. The former president of the United States expected to turn himself into Fulton County today. He's going to get weighed. There's going to be a weigh-in, but it ain't a boxing fight, folks. Uh, he's going to get the mugshot and all that. Uh, this all happening while last night we had the first Republican debate, which we are going to get to. The former Nevada GOP chair Amy Tarkanian will join us at the bottom of the hour to share her perspectives on uh, the winners and losers and uh, coming up in hour number two, James Harden fined $100,000 for comments he made about uh, Philadelphia 76ers general manager Daryl Morey. We'll talk a little USA basketball. The 11-year NBA veteran Paul McKeskey will be joining us in hour number two. So uh, we're jam-packed, and I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to get right to it, and I want to talk about the debate last night. We'll get into Donald Trump. We'll get into uh, the latest on the indictment. Uh, he's, ex- again, expected to turn himself in. Some people might be a little surprised at my opinions on what took place last night. Let me get this out of the way first. Ron DeSantis is done. All he did was speak, memorize sentences. He's the one who brought up Hunter Biden. He brought up gender ideology again. He had no solutions to any of the problems faced in this country. He's a terrible debater. And I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be as non-biased as I can because I can't stand Mike Pence. I'm not even a big Nikki Haley fan, but I'm going to give them compliments here as we go on. I'm trying to be non-biased here. Ron DeSantis was terrible yesterday. He had just, again, memorized sentences and statements that he made. You can tell when somebody's speaking from the heart. Like Nikki Haley, I don't think much of anything she said yesterday, except maybe her closing remarks. I don't think anything Nikki Haley said yesterday wasn't on the cuff. It was. And everything Ron DeSantis said, he's like robotic. So I just want to start there. Ron DeSantis is never going to be the president of the United States. He was non-existent yesterday. I'm not going to talk about Tim Scott. He was non-existent yesterday. Hutchinson was non-existent yesterday. And I just want to be uh, very clear on that. I want to be very clear. And I, we don't even have to talk about those candidates because it's almost like they weren't there. But uh, I got to tell you, as far as my biggest winners and losers yesterday, I'm going to go through some audio cuts and I'm going to explain why. But I thought Nikki Haley uh, had the best performance of the night. I thought she was clear, concise. I thought she was fair. I think she didn't just speak to Republicans, but she spoke to Democrats and she spoke to independents, and especially in regards to the abortion issue. I disagree with her. I know she's, she calls herself a pro-lifer. I know they all do. But she was reasonable and she was fair and she was factual and she called out Republicans when she had to. And I thought she was absolutely bar none the best on the stage. And if Republicans had any intelligence, which I think many of them these days don't, Nikki Haley would be your front runner and she would defeat Joe Biden. I actually believe Nikki Haley would have the best chance of anybody on that stage to defeat Joe Biden. I really feel that way. I really do. I absolutely feel that way. And, 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 and you know, if you disagree with me, that's fine. We're going to play some audio cuts and I'm going to talk to you about that. I want to start with uh, I want to start with Vivek Ramswamy, though. I want to start with him. 
because the first thing I want to bring up is Ramswamy, and not a lot of people are talking about this on social media. Not a lot of people are talking about this. But let's be very clear here. Ramswamy stole part of Barack Obama's speech. <laughs> and I'm going to prove it for you right now. Ramswamy is a liar and he's a cheat. And I want to play you a little bit of audio to start. This is proof that Ramswamy stole some of what Barack Obama said years back. Have a listen to this. So first, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? And what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? I'll tell you, I'm not a politician. Of a mill worker's son who dares to defy the odds. The hope of a skinny kid with a funny name who believes that America has a place for him, too. Ramswamy is a liar. And he's a cheat. He took parts of Barack Obama's speech, the skinny kid with a weird last name. That's not something that you just say that you make up yourself. He took that from Barack Obama. And he was condescending. And he had that attitude that he was the smartest person on the stage and nobody on the stage liked it. And they went after him. And Chris Christie was one of those people that called him out. Have a listen to this. People are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate right. change. Governor, Governor right, Haley, are you bought the paid for? Hold on, hold on. Listen, listen, listen. Hold on, hold on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And... The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Come on, give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just same, like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just the, like you did to Obama, too. Give me that the same hug, type of amateur. Got, hold on. Hold on. All right. So. I don't think Barack Obama is an amateur. I disagree with Chris Christie there, but the sentiment is true. Ramswamy, who claims to be based on his behavior, always the smartest person in the room, right? He stole part of Barack Obama's speech, skinny guy with a weird last name. That's not a coincidence. He stole that. Now he'll deny it, but he's a liar. I want to go back to Nikki Haley. And yes, I do believe Nikki Haley is probably the only person on that stage that can defeat Donald Trump. Again, I thought she was very fair. She was honest. And this is so Republican when I bring this up. They were talking about the debt and the Biden administration. And, and, and just about every single candidate on that stage was blaming Democrats for the reason why we're in all this debt. And then Nikki Haley decided to give them a truth bomb. And I want you to listen to this because it's Nikki Haley speaking fact and truth, something that I think many in the Republican Party failed to do, although we did hear some truth yesterday, and I was impressed with that. This is right off the bat, I was impressed with Nikki Haley, but here she is calling out the Trump administration and calling out Republicans for their lies. Listen to this. 
I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmarks that the Republicans brought back in. And they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars. It's not their dollars. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so at the end of the day, you look at the 2024 budget. Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Vice President. Amen. To me, that was Nikki Haley's uh, defining moment in her political career. Because instead of attacking one side of the aisle and not being honest or truthful, which so many in politics do today, by the way, Nikki Haley decided to be honest and call out her own. And in that moment, I said to myself, wow, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her that on the national stage, in arguably the biggest political moment of her career, she decided to to speak facts as opposed to fiction. And she's right. You had every single one of those people on the debate stage blaming Democrats for our national debt. When Donald Trump, and I say this on the show all the time, put us $8 trillion into debt, almost double what Obama's put us into in his second term in office. And then when Republicans want to blame Democrats for the debt ceiling and, and, and being fiscally responsible, they requested $7.4 billion. Nikki Haley is absolutely 100% right. And Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. And in that moment, I said to myself, I could maybe see myself voting for Nikki Haley. I'm not saying I would, but maybe. It's a maybe compared to before the debate where I said, geez, I don't think I could ever see myself voting for Nikki Haley. After that debate, I said to myself, that's somebody who I could maybe see myself voting for one day. In that moment, she called out the Republicans on the stage and she called out her party. And that wasn't the only moment. And you hear a lot of people in the crowd booing. When anybody on that stage spoke truth to Donald Trump, because it's a cult, the MAGA culture, it is a cult. But here is Nikki Haley, once again, commenting on Republicans and how they cannot win with Donald Trump. Have a listen to this. I do think that Vice President Pence did the right thing. And I do think that we need to give him credit for that. But what I will also tell you is, look, I mean... When it comes to whether President Trump should serve or not, I trust the American people. Let them vote. Let them decide. But what they will tell you is that it is time for a new generational conservative leader. We have to look at the fact that three quarters of Americans don't want a rematch between Trump and Biden. And we have to face the fact that Trump is the most disliked politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. There it is, the MAGA cult booing. Can't spell the word fact. Nikki Haley is 100% correct. People don't want to see Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. I agree, I'm one of them. I don't want to see it either. She's speaking to the majority of the country, which is what Republicans need to start doing because it's why they keep losing 
the popular vote in six of the last presidential elections. Nikki Haley is not just speaking to Republicans. She's speaking to people like me. She's speaking to everyone. She's right. Donald Trump is the most hated politician in the country. Now, he still has at least 30% of the country on his side, but she's still speaking the truth. And let's talk about Mike Pence for a moment. Everybody on the stage was asked, did Mike Pence do the right thing when he did not make an attempt on a coup to overturn the outcome of the 2020 election? Just about everybody said no. Chris Christie made a really good point. He said, this isn't, you know, we can't be uh, standoffish on this. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but he said we have to be uh, honest about this. Uh, Mike Pence should be commended for picking the Constitution over Donald Trump. Pretty much everybody on the stage immediately said, yes, Mike Pence did the right thing, except for Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis didn't directly answer the question, and he had to be asked by Brett Baer multiple times, and he kind of shoved it aside under the rug. This isn't something to shove under the rug. And again, that's why Ron DeSantis has no chance ever of being the president of the United States. It's like he was non-existent yesterday. He memorized a couple sentences that an eight-year-old could do in, in, in class. He memorized a couple sentences. Nothing was from the cuff. And he couldn't even uh, immediately directly answer the question on whether Mike Pence did the right thing or did the wrong thing. Everybody else on stage immediately answered, immediately, except for Ron DeSantis. So I wanted to be clear on that. Yes, Mike Pence did do the right thing. And Mike Pence, by the way, did not have a terrible night either. He was very animated when it came to Ramswamy. I've never seen Mike Pence that animated before. There were people on stage that Ramswamy pissed off, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And one of my favorite moments was when Nikki Haley, like her or not, she's a very intelligent woman with a ton of experience, especially on foreign affairs. This is a very, very intelligent woman. I would say the same thing about Hillary Clinton. I'm not a big Hillary Clinton fan, but she does have a lot of experience, and she is very intelligent. Ramswamy might be a smart guy, but he has no experience when it comes to these types of debates or when it comes to foreign policy. And I want to play you this clip. This is Nikki Haley just slamming Ramswamy. Have a listen to this. If Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 seconds. Mr. DeSantis, you know, Governor Nikki, DeSantis, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on but the, the fact of the matter, and and you know, Boeing you came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. You've been pushing this lie want, all week, Nikki. You want Nikki. to go and defund Israel? This, you want to okay, get let me address that. China? I'm glad you brought you that up. Go and give you I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you all have shows in the pointless wars we've gotten into. I have to address that. So our relationship with Israel will never be stronger than by the end of my first term. But it's not a client relationship. It is a. Fr- okay. Well, there is uh, Nikki Haley destroying Ram Swamy in real time. She's a hundred percent right. Ramswamy has no idea what he's talking about. And on a day where Vladimir Putin, no doubt, murdered 10 people on that plane, there's no question that plane was shot down. 
Vivek Ramaswamy is, is now saying that he would actually give Vladimir Putin some land in Ukraine. You're going to reward an evil, murderous dictator. And I find that to be horrible and repugnant, disgusting. And Nikki Haley is 100% correct. This man doesn't have any foreign policy experience. He has no idea what he's talking about. He does want to defund Israel. He's the only person on that stage that didn't want to send more funds to Ukraine. The only person that raised his hand. And I commend everybody else for saying the right things and going after Vladimir Putin. And Nikki Haley was right. Mike Pence was right. I can't believe I'm saying that. In calling out Vladimir Putin. This is really important stuff. When there are always going to be evil, murderous dictators in the world. It's important that our politicians call them out for that. Nikki Haley did that, and I was proud of her for doing that. And I think another important note on Nikki Haley is when they talked about abortion. Listen, six out of 10 Americans, Republican or Democrat, believe in the women's right to choose, right? Doesn't mean that we're jumping on trampolines every single time a woman has an abortion. It's a very difficult, sad decision that you have to make in your life. And I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Nikki Haley calls herself pro-life. I don't like the term pro-life. I like the term anti-abortion, not pro-life, because I could go to Republicans and say they have a lot of policies that are not pro-life. You know, a lot of uh, against a lot of government programs that help the poor or maternity leave or things of that nature. But here's what I respected about Nikki Haley in that answer. She was very pragmatic. And she was being honest with the American people. When Mike Pence said that if he's president, uh, he basically said that he would ban abortion throughout the country. And Nikki Haley said, well, number one, you wouldn't have the authority to do that, basically. And number two, we wouldn't have the votes in the Senate. You wouldn't be able to pass that bill. So we need to be honest with the American people and let's be reasonable. And then she set out some things that I agree with. Number one, for example, she said, you know, I think most Americans uh, disagree with the late term abortion. Let's put some laws in place throughout the country. Wouldn't have a problem with that at all. But then on the other side of, of, of the coin, she said we shouldn't be prosecuting women for having abortions either. I agree with both statements. Those are fair positions. Even if you call yourself a pro-life, I think that is a fair position. And I agree with her and I commended her. But Mike Pence took the extremist view, and the reason why Republicans didn't have a good 2022 midterms is because of the stuff that Mike Pence said about abortion. Nikki Haley feels the same way Mike Pence feels about abortion, but the difference is Nikki Haley is a smarter politician, and she was more rational with the American people. Mike, we're not going to be able to pass this, so here's what we need to do. We need to reason with the American people that, that want to give the women the right to choose. And here's what I propose. And I agree with what she said. And that's why she destroyed it last night. And she won the debate last night. Because she was fair with the American people. And she was honest. You know, somebody else who I think was pretty honest last night, who I would say was number two in the pack was Chris Christie. Because he spoke truth. And he was honest. Here's a clip of Chris Christie in speaking about Donald Trump. And listen to the crowd's response, because I'll get to that afterwards. But here's Chris Christie speaking honestly about Donald Trump and his behavior. Look, here's the the bottom line. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay? Now, and now whether or not, whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And 
you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Chris Christie's 100% correct. It's so funny when you hear these people booing. And, and, and what he said was so on point. Even if you disagree with all the charges that have been filed when it comes to Donald Trump, his behavior is beneath the presidency. I think any reasonable person, even if you're a Trump supporter, you'd say to yourself, yeah, his behavior probably is beneath the presidency. And they start booing. That is a cult. There were people in that crowd that are a part of a cult. And Brett Baer had to turn around a couple times and stare down the crowd and basically say, knock it off. It's disgusting. Why would you boo somebody that says something that is absolutely factually accurate? Attacking women on looks is beneath the presidency. Calling people names is beneath the presidency. Attacking the DOJ, attacking the FBI, attacking judges, attacking Gold Star families, attacking someone because they're Mexican descent is beneath the presidency. Chris Christie is right. His behavior is beneath the presidency and it should not be normalized. People like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates, this type of behavior should not be normalized. It's beneath office. If you're a mayor or a city councilman or woman, it's against the office, especially when you're the president of the United States. I couldn't agree with Chris Christie more. MAGA cult, they don't want to hear that sort of stuff. They don't want to hear it. And to me, this was the strongest, one of the strongest moments of the entire debate was when Chris Christie started talking about Ukraine. And I've talked about exactly what Chris Christie talked about. And the fact of the matter is, is that Vladimir Putin invaded a country. Vladimir Putin is responsible for so many innocent people dying. And while all this is going on in Ukraine, there are some Republicans, not all, like the Ramswamis of the world, there are some Republicans that not only don't want to support Ukraine, but call certain people in Ukraine, like Zelensky, Nazis. And it almost appears that some are rooting for Vladimir Putin to win. And I thought this was one of the most poignant and emotional moments in the entire debate. And this is the moment where Chris Christie speaks truth about Vladimir Putin. Have a listen to this. Look, I did go to Ukraine and I went to Ukraine because I wanted to see for myself what Vladimir Putin's army was doing to the free Ukrainian people. And let me tell you, I want you all to look around this arena tonight and imagine that every one of these seats was filled. And if every one of them was filled, there would still be 2,500 more children outside to make over 20,000 who have been abducted, stolen, ripped from their mothers and fathers, and brought back to Russia to be programmed to fight their own families. They have gouged out people's eyes, cut off their ears, and shot people in the back of the head, men, and then gone into those homes and raped the, the daughters and the wives who were left as widows and orphans. This is, this is the Vladimir Putin. This is the Vladimir Putin who 
Donald Trump called brilliant and a genius. If we don't stand up against this type of autocratic killing we in the world, we will be next. You were mentioned. Okay, so first of all, that goes to show you some of the people that were in the crowd. I think this is a very important point I want to make here. You have Chris Christie, like him or not, speaking truth to what is going on in Ukraine. And he's right. People are being killed, shot in the back of the head, while wives and daughters and children are being raped. That's just a matter of fact. And while Chris Christie is calling out Vladimir Putin for being the evil, murderous dictator that he is, people in the crowd were booing Chris Christie. When Hillary Clinton used the term deplorables, that's who she was referring to. Not Republicans in general. There are very, very good, nice people that happen to be Republican. Many of them are friends of mine. We might disagree on some policies, but they're good people. Hillary Clinton and some Democrats used the word deplorables Speaking of the people in the crowd and some of the people in the crowd in Wisconsin last night, that when anybody said anything negative about Vladimir Putin, the crowd booed. Those are deplorables. Anybody in the crowd that spoke, uh, anybody on the stage who spoke truth about Donald Trump, for example, when Chris Christie said his behavior is beneath the presidency and people booed, those people are what I would call deplorables. And Hillary Clinton was right. In closing, and coming up next, the former Republican chair of the great state of Nevada, Amy Tarkanian, is going to be joining us to give her thoughts. Nikki Haley was able to call out Republicans, even though I disagree with her on abortion, I thought she was fair. Nikki Haley won the debate last night, and she elevated herself five steps as far as I'm concerned. Chris Christie and Haley both had a pretty good um, debate. And I liked it when they praised Mike Pence for doing the right thing. Ron DeSantis was non-existent. He memorized a couple sentences like like a second grader could do. No debating skills at all. Ron DeSantis proved once again he has no chance of ever being the president of the United States. Ramswamy showed his inexperience and his cockiness got the best of him. And the people on the stage didn't like it very much. Um, every GOP candidate, except for uh, Christie and Hutchinson, raised their hands that they would support uh, Trump as the nominee. Everybody on stage, if, if Trump was the nominee, which is which is incredible to me. I mean, Ramswamy said he wanted to raise the voting age to 25. <laughs> A 9-11 truther seems to support uh, Putin, so I don't think anybody can take his candidacy seriously anymore. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the former Nevada... GOP chair Amy Tarkanian is going to be sharing her thoughts on the winners and losers from last night. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. 
We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Salone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. Fantasy football draft is upon us. And in Las Vegas, your number one draft party destination is Sapphire. Don't miss their sexy sports podcaster and Instagram vixen. Lisa Ann kicking off the fantasy football draft party poolside. Sapphire Day Club complete with dozens of topless entertainers and cocktail servers, bartenders, free Wi-Fi, and of course, fantasy draft boards to stake your top picks. Draft poolside or inside Sapphire Las Vegas. Packages are available now online at sapphirelasvegas.com and sapphiredayclub.com. Text or call 702-869-0003 to reserve your draft party today. Again, that number, 702-869-0003. And I'll see you at Sapphire. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Hey, everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. 
So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday, a very busy Thursday with Donald Trump turning himself in, expected to around 4.30 today. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for that. And, of course, the Republican debate last night. I want to tell you guys about my favorite gaming bar in town, which is, of course, Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones. Great food, great atmosphere, great gaming, great promotions, and a great staff. Jackson's Bar and Grill, tell them I sent you. Brian from Pushing the Limits. All right, so right now on the show, I wanted to get the perspective uh, from the former Nevada chair, GOP chairwoman. Of course, I'm talking about Amy Tarkanian, who joins us right now on the show. Amy, I appreciate you taking the time as always. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on as always. All right. First big question. Your overall thoughts on what took place last night on the debate stage. Sorry, I just shook my laptop a little bit, turning you That's up. That's okay. <laughs> uh, there's no earthquake. We're all good. Um, well, last night I thought was... Um, it was interesting. And, and the reason I, I say that is uh, we had high hopes, or when I say we, the Republican Party had high hopes for uh, Governor Ron DeSantis to just nail it. And it was the opposite. I thought he had decent moments, but there were times that you actually forgot he was on the stage and uh, he was quiet. Um, he actually looked a little bit nervous, I thought. And wasn't quite as comfortable as some of the others on the stage, which, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be a terrible president if he were president. But um, in in a day and age where you do um, obviously have television and social media, perception does help um, and the way that you present yourself. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, there were a number of people who I saw on social media that thought Vivek Ramaswamy did a good job. And yeah. I found him to be extremely obnoxious, um, immature, and um, not as prepared as some may think. And he's a very good speaker, but he does talk out of uh, two sides of his face at, at, at times. And so if you're somebody who doesn't really pay attention to some of the details like you and I do, uh, they could be very easily manipulated. And so and that's a scary thought. Um, and I thought it was excellent of both uh, Vice President Pence and Nikki Haley uh, to call him out mm-hmm. on his inexperience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was good Trump wasn't there uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he's his own worst enemy, and he probably would have done more damage to himself um, and he's so far ahead that really there is no reason for him to to pr- go on that stage and and sit there and take all the you know darts and arrows. Um, he's right about that. Uh, but I also thought it gave the other eight candidates an opportunity to shine for people like myself who are looking for an option. So I, I thought it, overall it, it was. It was a decent evening. Was it the best debate we've ever seen? No, not not at all. In fact, the moderators were getting quite frustrated, especially with Vice President Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy over talking them and others. What does it say about the people in the crowd? And again, not every single person that was in the crowd, but every single time two things happen, they seem to boo a lot. 
when anybody spoke any truth about Donald Trump, could have been Nikki Haley, could have been Chris Christie, the crowd boos, many of them, not all of them. And then when calling out Vladimir Putin and speaking the truth and saying like the earth is round, not flat, calling Vladimir Putin an evil, murderous dictator is exactly what he is. And I was so happy to hear not everybody, but so many on that stage call him that. Mm-hmm. And people in the crowd start booing. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you booing about? And then when Chris Christie yeah. talks about how women are being raped and children are being raped and, and all these innocent people that are dying, which I thought was a very, very important moment in that debate. And, and I thought that was an important moment for Chris Christie speaking the truth about Vladimir Putin. People start booing, Amy. What do you make of that? Yeah, it was very disappointing. And, and I did see on X... Um, someone's post, and I, I believe it was Glenn Greenwald, who many on the right would would recognize the name because he used to go on Tucker Carlson a lot mm-hmm. um, when he was with Fox. But he had uh, a seat right behind Marjorie Taylor Greene and took a picture of her uh, while she was at the debate. And she was watching the Tucker Carlson interview with President Trump at the same time. And as we already know, when President Biden had his State of the Union, Marjorie Taylor Greene took it upon herself to also interrupt and and yell and become obnoxious. Yeah. And so, are you surprised? No. I mean, if you had somebody like that in the audience, I I guarantee you, she probably was one of those who was booing. Agree. Um. And and it's very unfortunate, and I think it's embarrassing because you don't have to agree with everything that the candidates say. That's the whole point of a debate: is to find out. Who do you align with the most? Who do you think is going to uh, do the best job possible for our entire nation? Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with everything, but you also don't need to be disrespectful. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, former uh, Nevada GOP chairwoman Amy Tarkanian joining us. So to me, uh, uh, again, another there were some important moments. I'm going to talk about Nikki Haley for a second here. And to me, this is the reason why. Republicans have lost six of the last seven uh, presidential elections, a popular (laughs) vote. And what Nikki Haley did should be a lesson to all Republicans. Let me explain. Let's talk about abortion. Now, I know you and I, Amy, you're pro-lifer. I know you and I disagree on the abortion issue as a whole. However, I think what Nikki Haley did yesterday will help Republicans on this issue. And she was fair. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, on one side of the aisle, she says, okay, I think most of us agree late-term abortion, we should be done with that. I think most Americans agree with that. I agree with that. But then on the other side of it, she said, we can't talk about prosecuting women for having abortions either. She was fair. She was reasonable. And then she looked at Mike Pence, who was not reasonable on this issue. (laughs) He seems to think if he becomes the next president, which he won't, uh, that he just wants to ban abortion altogether, which could never happen. And then Nikki Haley, in paraphrasing here, basically said, There's no way we're going to be able to make that happen, even though we agree on this issue. We need to be honest with the American people. Nikki Haley was honest with the American people, and she was reasonable. And Republicans should take that out of the playbook and say, we need to start talking like Nikki Haley on these issues and stop being so far to the right. A hundred percent. And she was perfect with her answer in, in its entirety. She also mentioned how Republicans need to focus on adoption, mm-hmm. how they also should focus on contraception. And uh, those are two very important areas uh, to the abortion conversation that tend to get left out on the Republican side. And you'll hear more uh, Republicans that actually spew talking points yeah. and, and wishful thinking like Mike Pence, unfortunately. And what they're doing is they're hoping that the 
uh, voter is incompetent and doesn't understand really what it takes to change some of these laws. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, I mean, even here in the state of Nevada, we had to vote not once, but twice. We took it to the people. And that's how we have now the laws on the books where it states that you can have an abortion up to 24 weeks. It has nothing to do with who your senator is, who your governor is. When you hear those uh, political ads being played and they're scaring women saying that, you know, X candidate is going to take away your reproductive rights in mm-hmm. the state of Nevada. It's simply untrue. Right. And so, you know, and that's what Mike Pence is doing. He's scaring voters thinking that once he's in or he's scaring pro-choice voters, but he's he's basically preaching to pro-lifers and saying, uh, you know, once I'm there, we're going to make everything, yeah. you know, rainbows and butterflies. And that's just not the case. And Nikki Haley laid it out so beautifully. Yeah, she did. And I just think when Mike Pence, uh, listen, if people want to be religious people and people of faith, I have no problem with that at all, as long as you don't treat others differently. Uh, but mm-hmm. I feel like whenever Mike Pence talks about God and he quotes the Bible, it's always very uncomfortable. At least that's my personal right, opinion. Right. He's an uncomfortable yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And I've met him a, a couple times. And, and, you know, he's, he's nice enough, but I'm definitely not a fan. And I kind of feel like if you're somebody who's going to be preaching at me all the time, it's a little disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really not his place to be preaching at, at any voter, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's more than welcome to be thrilled to, to attend church on a regular basis and for he and his wife to pray daily. Yes. That's fantastic. But that's what you do at home. Keep it out of politics. Don't tell me what to do. Couldn't agree with you more. I was also happy that Brett Baer and Fox News asked what I consider to be a very important question. It's it's basically the same as asking, do you think Donald Trump won the 2020 election? When Brett Baer asked every candidate, or at least he tried to, did Mike Pence do the right thing on January Mm -hmm. 6th? And I was very happy to see that just about every candidate immediately said no. And I thought Chris Christie's answer was so spot on and perfect. The only person on the stage that struggled to answer the question after being asked multiple times was Ron DeSantis. And again, I thought he looked like a complete clown. The answer should be yes, Mike Pence did the right thing. Now let's talk about some other issues. Fine. No problem. But he didn't even answer the question and he had to be asked multiple times. And then Chris Christie says, no, 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 we can't sweep this under the rug. Mm-hmm. Mike Pence should be commended for picking the Constitution over Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis just doesn't resonate with people. He just doesn't. Well, you can tell he has a tough time when it comes to uh, veering off of uh, what he's rehearsed. Right. And it, not to say, you know, that his answers, his rehearsed answers are are bad. Um, there are plenty of people who agree with his policy stances. But when it's time to improvise or time to actually have a, a gut reaction. He does struggle a bit. And, and I think that's going to be, um, you know, one of his downfall areas. He's just not a natural at it. And, and once again, it doesn't mean he, he wouldn't be a bad president or wouldn't make terrible uh, or, or fabulous decisions because of that behavior. And not everyone is comfortable uh, behind the camera. Yeah. Um, or in front of the camera. Correct. Sorry. In front of the camera. Sure. But, um, but I think when when you're up against people who are extremely comfortable in front of the camera, number one, but also extremely comfortable and confident with their responses that are not rehearsed, that also shows you know that there's 
there's maybe a, a little bit of a disingenuous situation taking place in somebody like mm-hmm. Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Because Chris Christie, I thought, did a fantastic job. Is he going to be able to win a Republican primary? Most likely not. Yeah. But you know what? You could tell he believed in what he said. And he was very yeah. genuine about it. So I, I appreciated that about Chris Christie. Yes, I, I do as well. But I have to be honest with you, and this is where maybe we'll agree, maybe we'll disagree, but why I would struggle to vote for anybody on that stage except for maybe a Chris Christie, uh, because they were asked, uh, if it is Donald Trump that is the nominee mm. on the right, even if he is a convicted felon, yeah. would you still support him? And if if he further demonstrates... Uh, you know, and people w- would further demonstrate to me, it further demonstrates enabling Trump's criminality than upholding the Constitution. And everybody on that stage said that they would still support Donald Trump, except for Chris Christie and Hutchinson. Hutchinson has no chance. That's why I would vote for Chris yeah. Christie. And Nikki Haley didn't put her hand up. And I believe she didn't put her hand up because she wants to be Donald Trump's VP. I believe that's why. And I think Ooh, she's, I, I think that would never happen. Well, maybe it would never happen, but I think she knows that it would hurt her politically if she raised her hand. And that is my problem with the Republican party. If so many people yeah. in the party would just do what Chris, you don't even have to be as aggressive as Chris Christie. Just, just, just say, listen, if Donald Trump's the nominee, I'm not going to support him. I'm not saying I would support a Democrat. I'm not saying I would support Joe Biden. I'm just not going to support Donald Trump. That is my criticism where the uh, so many in the party would say, I'd rather vote for a convicted felon and pick him over right. the Constitution. And that's my that's my biggest frustration. Yeah, no, I, I was shocked and actually pretty disappointed um, with the, the answers to that question. Um, now, however, Nikki did she did kind of pivot back. And, and give a better answer and saying that she was just going to leave it up to the people mm-hmm. to make up that decision. So she kind of backpedaled a little bit and I think saved herself somewhat. Um, but you're right. Towing the line in that scenario, I thought, you know, th- there's no towing the line. Right. Uh, and, and if you're somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy, who actually said that he believed Donald Trump was the best president in the 21st century <laughs> yeah. and then said that he he was the only one who also said that he would pardon Donald Trump. Well, then why are you running? If you think this man is the best thing since sliced bread, get off that stage then yeah, because I, you're, you're taking up space. I agree with you, Amy. And Rem Swamy is a guy that uh, wants to raise the voting age to 25, which is absurd. Uh, he's a 9-11 truther. He clearly supports Vladimir Putin. He wants to abolish the Department of Education, wants to pardon Donald Trump, as you just mentioned. Um I think he's, he's a nightmare. He's yeah, I agree. He's a mess. I agree. He's in over his head. And I think it's pretty fair. And you tell me if you disagree or not. But it's pretty fair when Christie called him out when he said just a skinny guy with a weird last name. Those are the exact words that Barack Obama used. He stole that, in my personal yeah. opinion. And and did you think that people weren't going to spot that? Like to me, that's right. That, oh, uh, immediately. Yeah. yeah. Immediately. People took to X and put a side by side of him basically word for word saying what Obama had said during one of his speeches. And so when Chris Christie actually called him, you know, chat GPT, <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's spot on. That's exactly what Vivek is. He's chat GPT. I, I would say Barack Obama, uh, certainly when he first got into office and, and way before that, was more polished, more fair. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of Republicans don't like Barack Obama, but I just think comparing the two to me, 
Uh, I, I don't like it at all. Oh, um, night and day. Yeah. Vivek actually, it, it, and there was a lot of comments too, and they were all similar. Whether, you know, it, they were saying he needs to lay off the caffeine or he needs to stop taking Adderall. I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever your choice was, yeah. um, he was completely wound up. It was obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And I thought very, it, it was a turn off. I agree. I agree 100%. And I think everybody on that stage, except for Vivek, would agree as well. They did not like what he was doing. All right. So so I think we agree, you know, that um, uh, Chris Christie had a pretty good night. Uh, Mm -hmm. For the most part, he was on the side of truth and facts. Same thing with, uh, for the most part, um, with Nikki Haley, even though I don't agree with her on on some policies, I I appreciated the fact, especially when she called out Republicans, that was not politically convenient for her. But I I tell you what, you need more of that from Republicans. Somebody like me, when I hear somebody call out their own party, I say, wow, I could see myself voting for that person. And when Nikki Haley, when they were talking about the deficit, right, and they were talking about all the money that's spent in Washington, right, all the people on the stage, including Chris Christie, were blaming Joe Biden and his administration. And then Nikki Haley right. all of a sudden gave them a truth bomb that uh, and I know that uh, Mike Pence didn't like this very much, but it's truth. Uh, Donald Trump, eight trillion dollars when he was in office, put us into debt. Uh, and when it, they, it gets to the voting table and Democrats and Republicans come up with their proposals, seven point four billion was the proposal from the right. Two point eight billion was the proposal from the left. How can anybody up there with a straight face blame Democrats for this? And Nikki Haley was the only person on the stage who spoke truth about this. That's correct. And and it was refreshing because every single time there's a new administration, the the opposite side will use that for talking points. And so this has been going on for decades mm-hmm. where both sides are completely at fault for where we are today. And so for Governor Nikki Haley to actually point out the most recent reason why our deficit has gone up even further, I thought was tremendous on her part. And so, you know, Republicans can't just sit there and say, oh, we're, we're the party with all of the financial answers because clearly we're not. Well, we are at fault. And I think it's great that you you call out balls and strikes mm-hmm. and that you are somebody who's going to be transparent sure. and honest. The only person who brought up gender ideology, shocker, was Ron DeSantis. He also yeah. brought up, Hunt, I know that Chris Christie brought up Hunter Biden, didn't really have a problem with that. But it's the way that DeSantis brought up Hunter Biden's paintings. Uh, you know, it was Ron DeSantis that brought up wokeness more than anybody else. I think Nikki Haley brought it up once. Didn't really have a big problem with that. Uh, yeah. But again, it was Ron DeSantis with the talking points on the far right. People, I, I believe Republicans and Democrats mostly, especially moderate Republicans, are tired of hearing Ron DeSantis talk about gender ideology and drag queens and attacks mm-hmm. on the LGBT community and Disney. Most moderate Republicans that I talk to are sick of it. And he was, uh, w- thankfully, nobody else on stage was really going there. The only person that was going there was Ron DeSantis. Right. Well, that's because that that's one of his signature um, issues. And so he has to just regurgitate basically um, what he's already been campaigning on. And so that's, that's why he does so well in those particular areas. But once there's a question thrown at him in, in another topic, mm-hmm. that's where he struggles. Right. So of course he's going to regurgitate right. uh, that same ideology because that's what he knows. Yeah. And that's what he knows the best at right. this point. Right. Um, you know, is it something I agree on? No, not necessarily. In fact, I even, I saw an article and I have yet to read it, but it just came through. Um, my email, the LGBTQ um, weekly updates, 
And it, it said something along the lines of Florida is now going to fire teachers that are transgender if they use a bathroom that that they basically um, feel is the correct one. So if you're somebody who was born male and now you're female and you clearly have gone through the change and you use the female restroom, uh, you're going to get fired. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Here's something I don't understand. At CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever uh, shows you were watching post-debate, you know, they'll get these voters, maybe 12 people in a room, Republicans, and they ask them, who do you think won the debate? I don't understand some of these people. What Mm -mm. debate were they watching where these people say Ron DeSantis won the debate? What the F are you talking about? People saying that Ram Swamy did a wonderful job. What the F are you talking about? Uh, Like, I'm just I'm not a Republican, as you know. I'm just coming from a non-biased perspective, and I'm giving Nikki Haley her props. I'm giving Chris Christie his props. And by the way, I'm not giving Haley props because she criticized Trump. I mean, she did say some things that I agree with when it comes to Trump, but I'm giving her credit because she was fair, she was honest, and she was willing to call out her own party. What the Mm -hmm. hell did Ron DeSantis do that anyone could raise their hand and say, boy, he just knocked it out of the park? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was funny because once again, on on X, I saw... Casey DeSantis, his wife, she she says that her husband clearly won the debate, but I don't I don't know about anyone else really that truly feels that. Um I I, I honestly feel kind of bad for him because he was expecting to have all of the confrontation be thrown his direction. And he was pretty much ignored, yeah. which is a telltale sign that I think the rest of the the field really doesn't view him as a threat as he had once anticipated. So, you know, when, when the, when the barbs started going directly towards Vivek immediately, I mm-hmm. mean, Mike Pence came right out of the gate and, and shot right at Vivek. Yeah. It was interesting. And, and that set the whole precedence, I, I think for the rest of the debate where, you know, Ron just kind of, there were a couple of times where he would interject quickly and then, but that was only in the beginning portions and then he kind of just faded away you know know, i mean i I agree did you feel like i feel like you can tell when somebody has something memorized in their head a few sentences that maybe one of their advisors gave them and then Mm -hmm. when somebody is speaking from the heart off the cuff i felt like for the most part nikki haley did that the entire debate Mm -hmm. except for maybe her closing remarks and i don't have a problem with that Uh, i thought chris christie spoke from the cuff for most Mm -hmm. of the debate and i do feel like for most of the debate, Ron DeSantis, it was just memorized robotic stuff. Do you agree? Yeah. And, and I mean, even even the two bookends, God bless them, you know, Asia yeah. Hutchinson and, and Doug Burgum, you know, yeah. they actually, you could tell, were genuine in their answers. The problem is, is they, they're old school. And, you know, there's probably no path for either one of them and mm. might as well just drop out. But they seem like nice enough sharp enough gentlemen. Maybe, you know, in the past during Ronald Reagan era, they might have done exceptionally well. But it seems that, you know, this day and age with the Republican Party, the way that it is, these two individuals are just not going to cut it. I agree. But being pragmatic about this, you tell me whether you agree or not. Uh, Going into this debate, I didn't think there was anybody on that stage that has a chance to beat Joe Biden or even surpass Donald Trump. After watching the debate last night, the only person on that stage, because listen, the Republicans hate Chris Christie. Uh, because of his uh, aggressiveness going after Trump. I respect him for it. But the only person on that stage that I think actually would have a reasonable chance of defeating Joe Biden, in my opinion, 
is Nikki Haley. I thought she did huh. a phenomenal job last night. She spoke not only to Republicans, in my opinion, she spoke to people mm-hmm. like me. She spoke to independents and even people on the left. Mm-hmm. I can disagree with somebody, but as long as you're reasonable about it, then I, I, I can, I, I'm okay with that. And I thought she was very reasonable last night, even though I disagree with her on some things. But I, sure. I just, I just think she would, uh, destroy Joe Biden. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think anybody else on that stage could beat Joe Biden. And by the way, for the record, I don't want Joe Biden running for office anymore. He's too old, but, but yeah. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think Nikki Haley's the only one that could do it. No, and I actually agree with you on that. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with her presentation last night. And uh, I mean, I'm not shocked, but I had no idea she was going to be the powerhouse that she that she was last night. And, um, you know, when you saw her in her time as UN ambassador, you know, she was no shrinking violet um, either. And so I, I think that she's somebody who would be a good role model for a lot of young women. And in mm-hmm. fact, my, my daughter, Ava, who this is going to be her very first time voting. Oh, wow. She registered to vote the other day. She's attending university of Arizona and she wasn't sure how she was going to register. And we don't push our kids. We just have open discussions. And we thought for sure, because she thinks a lot like me that, you know, she's kind of more of a, a moderate middle of the road mm-hmm. and looks at the person. Right. Um, and uh, we weren't sure which way she was going to go. And so there were some Democrats that were on campus and they were registering students. And she actually decided to register as a Republican because of Nikki Haley. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, yes. I, I think, and so, you know, yeah. even though she knows Nikki has quite an uphill battle because of Donald Trump, unfortunately, you know, in her mind, she's she can look at herself in the mirror and know that she's casting her vote for a decent, smart individual. And that's part of why I say what I say as well, because I think Nikki Haley would do a nice job of getting the female vote, even from Mm -hmm. some people on the left that are not big Joe Biden fans. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people on the left that don't really want Joe Biden to run again. And and, and she would get the independent vote as well. But you know what? Republicans are not going to do the right thing. She will (laughs) not. No chance. They would rather have the front runner be a convicted felon. With that being said, let me ask you on this. What are your thoughts on Donald Trump today being indicted now? For the fourth time, he's going to get fingerprinted. He's going to get a mugshot. He's going to get weighed. What are your thoughts on this you-know-what show and all of his co-conspirators and and what's going to be taking place within the hour, I guess? It's so embarrassing. And really, I mean, we're in a lose-lose situation. Like you said, most people, I think, you know, Nikki Haley actually said it herself last night, three-fourths of the country really doesn't want a re-election of President Biden or President Trump. And those are all general election voters. But it's the primary that that we're going to struggle with. And so we are most likely going to have a nominee on the Republican side that very well could be running from jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have no current laws on the books saying that he can't otherwise. Um, so this is, this is new territory for everyone to yeah. have to deal with. And he's already announced on his true social, you know, he's coming in he's going to be arrested at 7 30 p.m eastern time you know he's he's not holding back and uh on any fundraising i mean that's for sure he sends out his mass email blast constantly asking for more money and then you've got suckers that sit there and and find uh you know money from their couch cushions and continue to to send it to this individual who's completely grifting off of uh his 
his supporters' emotions. Right. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad to watch because there are people who I thought were once really intelligent individuals who I've known for a very long time who continue to repeat his rhetoric and actually have almost become brainwashed uh, to a certain extent where they too believe that they are a victim, mm. not just President Trump. And I keep repeating his famous line, and, and it's working for him, is that they're not coming after you, they're coming after me, I'm just in the way. Yeah, His followers truly believe that. And it's mind-blowing to me. It, it's a cult. As I've said it before, I say it again. It's a cult. And what does it say when guys like Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis are saying, well, wait a second, where's the money? Donald Trump yeah. not giving $1 to help any of his co-conspirators. And Donald Trump, because I, I believe he doesn't want Giuliani to testify against him and, and, and cop sure. some sort of plea deal, is now doing some sort of fundraiser and asking others for money to support Rudy Giuliani. Jenna Ellis, who I think is a complete fool, uh, yep. going on social media saying, where's all the MAGA money? Where's all the MAGA money? Uh, what is she's she right though? Yeah. I mean, and, and so at, at the end of the day, you know, who, who is Trump? You know, Trump touts loyalty. He's the most disloyal human being on the planet. Yeah. Um, he will turn on you before you can blink. Mm -hmm. And, and now all of these fools who, you know, did anything and everything to stay on his good side up until this point are now left to hang out, you know, they're left to hang out to dry. Right. And so they all have to now focus on themselves and that's what Donald Trump has been doing this whole time. And he's just been manipulating them. And so now we're at a point where, you know, these people have to watch their backs. They have to watch out for themselves because if they are convicted, I mean, this Rico case could end up putting them in prison for 20 plus years. You're done. That's the rest of your life. No question. And uh, these are very strange times that we are in right now. As we speak right now, Donald Trump uh, is, is uh, making his way to a Georgia courtroom and uh, he will be fingerprinted. Uh, he will get a mugshot, which I'm sure he will campaign off of and make money yep. off of. And those are probably the same kinds of people uh, that uh, were booing last night uh, in a right. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. and also too, you mentioned, you mentioned the mugshot, but what's asinine is he even has some of his devoted MAGA base creating fake mugshots of themselves in solidarity. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It, like I said, what's wrong with these people? It's a cult. Say what you want about Joe Biden. I don't see malarkey flags on the back of pickup <laughs> trucks. And I don't, uh, you know, I, it's just, it's a cult. Let's just call it for what it is. And I was, but as a whole, I was pleasantly surprised with Nikki Haley yesterday. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that most people on the stage were, 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 were on the side of Ukraine, thank goodness. And they mm -hmm. weren't, most people on the stage weren't taking extremist views. And uh, it brought me a little bit of hope for this country. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. People like you give me hope, Amy. I appreciate you always uh, oh, taking the time. I uh, appreciate you always taking the time to come. We need uh, come on. We need more Republicans like you. Uh, there's no question about it, uh, especially we won't even get into the leadership here uh, in Nevada. But uh, we can talk about that another time. But Amy Tarkanian, always appreciate your time. You always do a great job. And I appreciate you coming on. Uh, say hello to your husband for me and we'll talk again soon. OK. And I appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate that. That's Amy Tarkanian, the former Republican chair of Nevada. Very fair. Very honest. I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for her, by the way, and her husband, who's far more to the right these days than she is, but that's okay. All right. Now's the time to take phone calls, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to be a part of the show, what did you think about the debate last night? Positives, negatives? Give us a call. 702-221-7283. And again, that number. Now's the time to call in if you want to be a part of the show. 
What were your thoughts on the debate last night? Do you agree or disagree with me? I thought uh, Nikki Haley hit it out of the park. I thought she was really, really good. And uh, she might have turned me a little bit. You know, maybe I could see myself voting for her someday. Your thoughts on the debate. Maybe you think Ron DeSantis was great. Maybe you think Donald Trump should have been there. 702-221-7283. Again, that number if you want to be a part of Pushing the Limits. A live radio show here on KSHP. Give us a call. 702-221-7283. Take a break. Be back right after this. It's Pushing the Limits. Here's to your health, Monday morning at 7 on KSHP, North Las Vegas, AM and FM, B29, 6HP, North Las Vegas, and KSHP.com. Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premium Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. Fantasy football draft is upon us. And in Las Vegas, your number one draft party destination is Sapphire. Don't miss their sexy sports podcast or an Instagram vixen. Lisa Ann kicking off the fantasy football draft party poolside. Sapphire Day Club complete with dozens of topless entertainers and cocktail servers, bartenders, free Wi-Fi, and of course, fantasy draft boards to stake your top picks. Draft poolside or inside Sapphire Las Vegas. Packages are available now online at sapphirelasvegas.com and sapphiredayclub.com. Text or call 702-869-0003 to reserve your draft party today. Again, that number, 702-869-0003. And I'll see you at Sapphire. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702 Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. 
Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. want to also tell you guys about uh, my very, very good friend, Blake Wynn, his grandfather, the former governor of the great state of Nevada. And uh, if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, there's nobody better than Blake over at the Keller Williams Group. Please give him a call and tell him I sent you at 702-540-3311. Again, that number Blake Williams over at the Keller Williams Group, 702-540-3311. Coming up here in about 10 minutes or so, we'll be joined by 11-year NBA veteran and 20-year coach Paul McKeskey. But I did promise we'd get to some of your phone calls at 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the program, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Let's start off with Shay. Shay, what's going on, man? Not much. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, sir. Go right ahead. Um, I got to ask, uh, so what do you think about this debate last night? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the last hour we've been talking about it. Uh, anything in specific, anything specifically, Shay, that you, what What about the debate? Anything specific you want to ask me? Well, I got to tell you something. This looked like a, vi- uh, vi- a vice president trial. Sure. Um, that's what, that's what it, that's what it feel like to me last night. Yeah. But what it felt like also is none of them really attacked Trump. I mean, how can you move? How are you going to run for president and don't attack the front line? Well, I, I would disagree with you with Chris Christie. He, he's he been on the uh, forefronts of attacking Donald Trump, and he certainly did that last night. I think Nikki Haley made some uh, good remarks about Donald Trump, said he was probably the most hated politician in America. But but you are right in a sense that if Donald Trump is the nominee, Nikki Haley said she would still support him. So I do agree with you there. And I do agree with what you said about more of a vice president. Listen, let's be honest here. Nobody on that stage is going to defeat Donald Trump. I think there's one person on that stage but that Brian, can, yeah, go ahead. I think you. I think people. But you know what? I think all them people up up there that was on the stage last night, they created this monster. They created the monster. They they drank the Kool Aid uh-huh. for five years, and now. You saw the, when the crowd booed Chris Christie when he yes. was trying to make a remark yes, or sir. something like that. Yes, sir. And Donald Trump wasn't even there. 
Agreed. I mean, the man is still, he is still the kingmaker of the Republican yeah. Party. Well, they are cultists. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say this. Why don't they all just wait for 2028? Well, I mean, I just, I, I hear just, you. I would wait for 2028. Yeah, I hear you, and I agree with what you said, and actually I talked about that last hour, about the people that were booing every, any single time anybody said anything honest about Donald Trump, or even uh, when Chris Christie was calling out Vladimir Putin, people in the crowd were booing. Those are the MAGA cultists. Those are the Marjorie Taylor Greens out there. So Can I, I say one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. I look at, you know, when I look at 2016, Brian, um, this all could have been avoided when Trump got elected in 2016, Mitch McConnell, Remember, he was the majority leader. Yep. Um, Paul Ryan was the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. They should have brought Trump in, in a room, behind closed door, and said, look, we are not going to take this bigotry, this racist, this hatred, this divisiveness. If any of this happened, you will be impeached and convicted. Yeah. They should have went strong on him from the get-go. I agree, and I also agree with what you said earlier about... Uh you reap what you sow, and they, they coddled Donald Trump, they've brown-nosed him for years, and now they're stuck with him, and there's nothing they can do about it, and guess what? It's their fault. Shay, I agree with you. Great call, my friend. Call back anytime, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Shay is 150% correct. Uh, let's go to Lauren next. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Hi, Lauren. What's up? Hi, Brian. Yeah, um, I, uh, if uh, the debate was okay. Uh, the thing that the main reason I was calling in to you about was, uh, the Ukraine. Um, I, uh, I'm not really in favor of, of what's going on as far as our spending funds over there. Um, I, on, uh, ABC is reported. And also I sent you a, uh, thing on, um, when you had the guy from Occupy Democrats the other day, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the AP did an article that from 20, uh, 2022 to 20, 2023 in January to January, we spent approximately $22 billion to help them with humanitarian, but also we took care of pensions for people that were affected by the war. Now, I'm opposed to that. I don't have a problem with the humanitarian, but I definitely have a problem with uh, pensions because we have people in our own country that are, you know, having problems with their pensions, but we're not getting any, any, uh, well, anything uh, from the, uh, government. The, the, the point that many people said on the debate stage yesterday, not just in regards to this, but a lot of other issues, why can't we do both? Why can't we do both? Why can't we help a a free and fair country that is our ally and invaded by Vladimir Putin and help that country and then help our own at the same time? Why can't we walk and chew gum at the same time? Well, I I mean, I agree with that, but that's not what's being done. I mean, uh, in the earliest census on on homeless people in in Nevada, in southern Nevada, 6,500 people on the street. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand we have a lot of I understand we have a lot of problems in this country. We can go down the line. I don't know anything about what you're speaking of when in regards to pension. But I will tell you that uh, of everybody on that stage, the one person that doesn't want to help at all and doesn't want to send any anything to the Ukraine was Rem Swamy. And he got his clock cleaned yesterday. I think we can agree that. Uh, you know, we want them to defend themselves and we want them to conquer Vladimir Putin and Russia, because if they don't, then Vladimir Putin is going to be uh, invading other countries. This this will be just the, the first of many. Well, so I think we can do both. I guess that's my point. 
Well, I, I agree with it. We can do both. But my, my other concern is this. This is going to get us in a war. Okay. I have three sons that are draft age. So if we do go in an all out war between, uh, you know, because of this incident and because of the. Well, wait, wait, hold on uh, a second. You saying we're going to, this is going to get us into a war because we're helping Ukraine? Going to get us into a war. So, exactly. so you're saying if we didn't send our how do you, artillery. How do you it's not. Well, you're saying because we didn't send artillery, uh, if we didn't send artillery and, and help Ukraine, that we wouldn't be in a war. And because we're helping the Ukraine, we're going to get into a war. Is that what you're saying? I, there's a strong possibility with the things that the armaments that we have sent over there. And, and basically what, Putin, what, what Putin's main concern was. And, and I served over there in that area. I was actually monitoring the Russians. No, no, I understand that. Okay. But I want to focus on what you just said. See, I think Vladimir Putin needs to be taken out. I don't care whether it's... I, 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 don't, I, I agree. I, I don't care whether it's us or, or another a European country. Vladimir Putin needs to be taken out the way Saddam Hussein was taken out. We need to find him. I, I don't know how. When I say we, it could be anybody. I don't care who does it. Vladimir Putin needs to be taken out. And if Vladimir Putin is taken out while there are still evil people in his regime, I think that would change the map. I think it would change a lot. That's what I think needs to happen here. And that's I think that's the only thing that we can do to end this, really. Well, do, do you know, do, do you have any idea why Putin went into uh, to the Ukraine? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It's the same reason why he kills his own people. And it's the same reason why he is the evil, murderous dictator that he is. It's ego. Actually, it's power and money. Well, no, it, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with if, if, if the Ukraine became a NATO ally, that they are directly on the Russian border. And he didn't want. Uh, and, and, you know, a NATO ally being there. That's a part that's, of it. That's what he that's, that's what he's been pointing I, out. I understand for, that's for a decade. I understand that's a part of it. I don't disagree with you, but that's not the only reason why he did it uh, for him. It's also about sticking his chest out. Uh, look at what he did with the 10 people that lost their lives. By the way, I'm not crying for them either. Yesterday, uh, anybody mm -hmm. who uh, goes on the other side of Vladimir Putin is usually dead, uh, at least if you're in, in, in Russia. Uh, I got to get to one more caller. I appreciate your I call, understand. Lauren. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's uh, take one more call. Then we got to go to break. And then Mo's going to be joining us. Let's go to Edward. Edward, what's going on? Edward, are you there? Oh, we lost Edward. Edward, my apologies. We hung up on you by accident. All right. Here's what we are going, by the way, the number to call 702-221-7283. And again, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, James Harden was just fined $100,000. Comments he made about Daryl Morey. We're certainly going to get into that. We're going to get into USA basketball. Speaking of uh, being a patriot. USA men's basketball team playing some good ball. We'll talk to Paul McKeskey about that next. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. 
Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. Fantasy football draft is upon us. And in Las Vegas, your number one draft party destination is Sapphire. Don't miss their sexy sports podcast or an Instagram vixen. Lisa Ann kicking off the fantasy football draft party poolside at Sapphire Day Club, complete with dozens of topless entertainers and cocktail servers, bartenders, free Wi-Fi, and of course, fantasy draft boards to stake your top picks. Draft poolside or inside Sapphire Las Vegas. Packages are available now online at sapphirelasvegas.com and sapphiredayclub.com. Text or call 702-869-0003 to reserve your draft party today. Again, that number, 702-869-0003. And I'll see you at Sapphire. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Hey, everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client, so please give them a call, 702-248-0554.
All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. Quick programming note. The very beautiful and talented and pastor-turned-stripper, yes, always fun, Nicole Mitchell will be joining us tomorrow on the show, and uh, we are going to have a headliner from the Comedy Cellar joining us tomorrow as well in studio, uh, which is going to be, I've always loved talking to these stand-up comics because they're all crazy and they're all funny, and so it's going to be a good time tomorrow. Uh, I would imagine the first segment we might be talking a little bit about Donald Trump's weight, uh, which he will be weighed on a scale probably within the next hour or so. Uh, a guy joining us right now, he knows a thing or two about... Uh, being large, but not in a bad way, in a good way. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, 11-year NBA veteran, 20-year coach, my good friend, Paul McCaskey, joining us right now on the show. Paul, I know you're coming out of knee surgery, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I got my walker. Uh, Staples come out tomorrow, I think, doing my exercises at home. Um, you know, it's they did a great job, uh, Coronado Surgery Center and uh, uh, all the people there, but no matter how good it comes out, you're going to have pain. You're going to have to fight through it. You're going to have to rehab. So, uh, you know, my wife, Linda, she's been cracking the whip here and get me out of my chair and doing my exercises and then icing it down. So, uh, it's going to be nice. Uh, you've been, you know, you've known me for a while now, uh, to be able to walk, uh, and, and get up out of a chair with no pain or minimal pain. Wow. And that was, uh, that was the biggest thing for this. I mean, <clears throat> I asked the doctor what he saw when he opened my knee up. He said, I saw a bunch of mush. Oh. It was it was like one of the worst knees he's ever seen. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the mend. Um, I get an excuse for watching uh, uh, Little League Baseball, the World <laughs> Series, <laughs> which I do too much of. But uh, feeling a lot better. First week was kind of tough, kind of in and out of it. But uh, on the mend and... Can't wait to see you guys in the studio probably next week. Oh, that's awesome, man. Can't wait to see you, and I'm, I'm glad you're in less pain. That's great news. How many surgeries would you say you've had in your life because of playing basketball? Well, I think I'll pretty much all are because of basketball. So uh, four foot, five knee, that's nine, oh. and a hip, that's ten. Oh, my so, God. So we're at ten, and there'll be more. There'll be another hip and another knee down the road, but... You know, wear and tear on this big old body <laughs> catches up to you. That's that's unbelievable. But uh, glad you glad you're feeling better. And uh, people don't realize just with professional athletes in general, the sacrifice and, and, and what you do to your body. You know, for the love of the game. I know that's kind of a cliche, but I just don't think people understand it. They think it's all fun and games, and you just show up and play basketball. But all the hard work and the uh, the, 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 how physical you have to be, especially the position that you played your entire life, and the toll it takes on your body, right? Yeah, you take a pounding, not only, you know, physicality, but also just the act of running and down a basketball court, up and down a basketball court, uh, and, and jumping and, 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 you know, just landing and, you know, over and over and over since I was a kid, you know, so I, I played basketball two years in grade school, four years in high school, that's six, four years at Kansas, that's 10, 12 years in the NBA, that's 22, and then a year over in France. So 20, 23 years of running up and down and pounding and, and being physical. Uh, you know, being seven foot is an advantage when you're playing, is not an advantage afterwards. Yeah, no question. Well, hopefully, like you said, hopefully we'll see you in studio next week and Glad to uh, glad to see that things worked out well and, and you're starting to feel better. I think that's awesome. There is so much to get to 
when it comes hey, to... Hey, hey, Brad, yep. Brad, before we get to this, you know, I've been listening to the, to the show and the guy that called in yep. uh, about Ukraine, and I appreciate, you know, he has sons uh, in, in that area that could, could be drafted if there's a war. But uh, I don't agree with him on, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, leading us in a war. He, you know, because because Russia and Putin don't want to be on a border of a NATO country, right? That's what he said. Right. Right. Well, well, guess what? When he invades and takes over Ukraine, he will be on a border of uh, uh, a NATO country. That's called Poland. Right. And you have Hungary there and Romania. And if you think this crazy man is going to say, okay, I, I got I got Ukraine. I'm good. We're all good now. No. Do you think uh, uh, Hitler did that? No. He wanted more and more and more. So the next stop is uh, invading a Poland country or a NATO country where instead of sending over money, billions of dollars, I know that's a lot, and uh, equipment, uh, our, you know, uh, jets now and, and military, we're going to be having to send your sons because we are in NATO. Right. And we have pledged to protect NATO countries against communism and invasion. So instead of that money, that billion of dollars and all that, we're going to send over these young men and women because we have to, because we're helping a NATO country now. No, I so agree. I, I think this this Ukraine situation is a, is a mess, more expensive and lasts longer than we thought. However, it is trying to keep us out of a war because if they invade Ukraine and then go the next step to Poland, which they will, no matter what you say. Mm -hmm. I mean, Putin's crazy, right? He just blew up a jet to kill some, you know, right. some people that went again. He's going for Poland or whatever next around there. So I just wanted to get that out. That, I that. I was going to ask you about the debate last night. I could not agree with you more, and I don't think people are looking ahead. They look at at the now, and I think it's uh, it's very frustrating when you got like a Ramswami up there on stage and and so many on the far right that are saying we're giving too much aid to Ukraine and we got to stop and, and we got to take care of our own. First of all, we can do both at the same time. And second of all, you're absolutely right. Uh, if he, if, if Vladimir Putin does take over parts of Ukraine, which I hope he doesn't, then what's going to be next? Is Poland going to be next? And Nikki Haley brought that up. I, I, I do respect Nikki Haley and her, her experience. I don't always agree with her, but we need to be calling this out and people need to understand it's not only about helping the Ukraine, it's about helping the world. And, uh, you know, in going after an evil, murderous dictator, with that being said, somebody needs to take Vladimir Putin out. Somebody needs yeah. to kill Vladimir Putin. That's the only way this is going to totally end. Somebody needs to take this guy out. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how that hasn't happened yet. And, and I know all that, you know, he's hard to get to and all the people are so close. Because Guess what? If you even think or do anything, you're going to be killed. I mean, come on. Dude. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that guy could have got on a, a jet. <laughs> okay, everything's great. You're going to send me to wherever. And, oh, come on, man, reality check. But there's got to be some way because I believe, I don't know, I'm not a, you know, a, a national political, uh, you know, European, uh, you know, person. But I think there's enough people uh, up there around, you know, where Putin is, like just steps below him that if he wasn't there, they would come to reality. And they would listen to people and try to do stuff that's right. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't know how to get it done, but 
that wouldn't be a bad thing. I think that's the only way that, uh, you know, are there more evil, murderous people in his regime? Absolutely. But I think the only way to really breathe a sigh of relief, the world, is to take this guy out just like Saddam Hussein was taken out. Uh, I feel like we need to treat this the exact same way. And uh, I just can't stand these people out there that continue to, at least in my opinion, speak trash about the, the good people of Ukraine and call them Nazis, call Zelensky a Nazi, and yet defend Vladimir Putin and their gets elected he's not leaving the white house at least not peacefully he's going to stay there for the four years and then try and be a putin and a dictator and it's just going to be disaster but i mean to say oh he's a genius and we have a perfect letter a love letter (laughs) that's crazy it is crazy and uh he can think uh like vladimir putin but he can think it behind bars because it's think uh, it's it's turning out more and more that there's a real possibility that donald trump will be going to jail but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that thing plays i didn't even ask you about that right now as we're speaking donald trump is going to be fingerprinted he's going to be put on a scale that that that's my favorite part uh and uh you know he's going to get the money we should we should be taking we should be taking some over under on uh uh 400 pounds well I'm glad you brought that up, Mo, because guess what? Uh, the over-under offshore, you can actually bet on Donald Trump's weight today, which is 273 and a half. What do you take? What do you take there? Oh, over. Over. <laughs> no question. I mean, how, how tall is he? He's like 6'4", right? 6'5"? Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. So right I mean, now... I, I, go ahead. I, you've seen... I, I'm not in great shape or anything, uh, you know, and I am taller than him, but I'm 320 pounds easy. What do you there. think he is? He's like 6'2", maybe? I think he's six two, six three. Um, you know, so you know, three hundred pounds. That's the cheeseburger for him. He's there. <laughs> You're right. It probably it probably is a cheeseburger. Uh, and yet, yeah, Justin, go go ahead. What do you got for us? Trump is six foot three. He is. Yes, he's six foot three. Do you believe that, Mo? He doesn't seem six foot three to me. Well, I think he could be six foot foot three, but he's a he's a power forward center, not a guard. So. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably you're probably right about that. We'll have to wait and see how this thing plays out. Okay, so speaking of the world stage that involves basketball, we all know, uh, and we, ha- we haven't caught up with you in a little bit, but we all know the comments that James Harden's made about Daryl Morey. They've had a volatile relationship. They had it in Houston. They certainly have it here as well. So, uh, or I shouldn't say here, not in Vegas, but in Philadelphia. And then, uh, you know, he goes out there. And he uh, goes to uh, China and he calls Daryl Morey a liar and never play for him again. The NBA investigates and they find him 100000 What are your thoughts on this story as a whole? Well, I think, um, number one, it's not smart that to call someone a liar and that you will never play for that organization again if they can actually write you a check for $150 million. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, you know, Harden's, Harden's made two, three, four hundred million, whatever. He's probably set for life. But, uh, you know, burn your bridges, I learned not to do a long time ago, especially in the basketball world. But, I mean, that those are, you know, listen, I, I, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, I talked to Daryl Morey. We were friends. And now, you know, he, he hasn't come through with what he's told me he's going to come through with. I don't agree with that. I don't want to play with that team anymore. Okay, good. 
But to come out and say he's a liar twice, and I'm never going to play for them twice, uh, and uh, he was he was mad. And uh, in my years of experience, this happens often in the NBA that a player of his magnitude uh, can alter the makeup of your team by making concessions in salary. Mm. So what I mean by that is, you know, James Harden could say, okay, listen, I'm going to sign this extension for you for one year. I want three, I want four, but I'm going to do this so you can go out and sign these other guys, uh, Stevenson or whoever, and bring them in, and then we have a chance. But then after I do that, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you're going to extend me another two years, you know, or a month after that, whatever it's legally done, and then we're good to go. And I think what happened is I think Daryl Morey promised that, and uh, I think their their owner, who was making the final decisions, uh, Josh Harris, said, uh, "No, we're not going to do that. I'm not. I'm not willing to pay him that. And you know, he's not all that. And look at the history. And he, he's played crappy in big games. And you know, he's he. So we're going to sign him for extension. He's going to demand a trade again, like all of them do. Yep. So we're not doing that, Daryl. So you can call your guy up and tell him we can't do that. And I think that conversation was had." And I think uh, Harden got pissed off, and this is how he released that. And uh, and the the fine was what that did is uh, that earlier when I said how he should have done it and how he did it is that uh, lights up the uh, NBA lamp. So they're going to say, ding, 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 wait a minute, there's something here we need to investigate because those conversations I told you about, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, those are illegal. And we can't have that. So we're going to investigate this now and see what happened. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, then they ended up finding uh, Harden a hundred a hundred thousand, which uh, you know it's a it's a hundred thousand, right? It's nothing to him. Yeah, it's like what, whatever. You know, I, I make thirty three million, but it does. You know, so they did something. They did an investigation, which co- could go deeper. And that's the other thing I think Harden did. He hurt himself. Because now he put the red flag on himself, and now he wants to get out of there. He wants to make more money. But what teams are going to take him now right. that, with that red Hey, if I'm the owner, if I'm Mark Cuban, if I'm uh, uh, the guy in Clipperland, you know, I have billions of dollars. But do I want to get involved in this guy who might someday call me a liar and, and demand out anyway? I think I might go in a different direction. Yeah, so would I. You know, another thing, Mo, and I agree with everything you said, I find it so cowardly that he decides to go after Daryl Morey and he does it in China, doesn't even do it here. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? You're at some Adidas event in front of a bunch of kids. What kind of example are you setting for them? When you call your boss a liar, I I just thought it was so classless on his part and so cowardly. And childish, I think. I think it was the timing that that call, I think, happened with his agent. And I think he got pissed off and he was scheduled to do this camp. I've done camps in China. You know, you go out sure. there and he just let it go. Yep. And part of it is I'm covering myself, right? Because if I say this now, there isn't ESPN. There isn't uh, uh, the paper in Philly. None of those guys are here to question me now, right? So if Correct. you want to really stand up, you wait, you come back to the States, you have a press conference, and you say whatever you want, and then you take questions from the media. 
But he didn't do it that way. No, he didn't. Uh, and moving forward, I, I tend to agree with you because James Harden's already a guy that has clashed. I mean, I think it's one of the main reasons why Doc Rivers is no longer the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I, I believe, you know, that, that James Harden was a big part of that. I'm sure you would agree. And he's already a guy that's been known to not get along with coaches, not always getting along with teammates. Is he a tremendous talent? Absolutely. The guy is an unbelievable scorer. But uh, in my opinion, there's a reason why he hasn't won NBA championships. A part of that is always going to be a little bit of luck. But, you know, here's a guy who was in Vegas during the playoffs last year, parting. Uh, during the playoffs, he was parting, Mob. You ever heard of anything like that before? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, let's say, like, he was an OKC with a great group of young players with KD and Westbrook, and they broke that up. So he went to Houston to run his own show. Uh, and then he had, I mean, he had, what, he had Chris Paul. He had uh, a bunch of other superstars with him. Never got it done there. Got his money. Uh, and then he gets out there and goes to Brooklyn to try and do the super team, right, with, with KD and uh, Kyrie and whatever, Reed. And, uh, you know, that doesn't go well, so he demands another trade, and he goes to Philly to play with Embiid, who, by the way, was MVP of the league last year, mm -hmm. and that doesn't work, and he immediately demands another trade. It's like, you know what, guy? Sometimes it might be you. You're moving around. Sometimes it's you. Yeah. And, uh, and I think more teams are wise enough. He did lead the league in uh, assists last year, which is phenomenal, but, of course, Philly underachieved. And at some point, your Philly... Uh, you know, if I'm the GM or the owner, I'm going, listen, let's, let's cut our, let's get rid of him. I mean, we got Embiid, uh, we got Maxi, who is the future. Let's put him at the point. Uh, we got enough around us. Let's trade him for whatever the hell we can get. A good player, draft picks, and let's move on and just rally around Embiid, who is MVP. Because at the same time, if you're Embiid sitting at home, what are you thinking? Yeah. This is a cluster. Yeah. This is a, a circus. Yeah. And do I want to be moved now? And if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, that's the one thing you have to avoid. You need to keep and be and get the guys around them for the next three years. So let's do it. You know, okay, is, uh, is Harden worth more than this guy and this guy and these draft picks? Sure. Well, who cares? Well, let's do it. I think, uh, well, let me ask you this question. Realistically speaking, Forget about the $100,000 that the NBA fined James Harden. Uh, how much money do you think this is going to cost James Harden long-term in his career, the statements that he made in China? Well, I think, you know, being a – he's got one year left as 33 mil. Uh, and if he had a year close to what he had last year, which he led the league in assists, that's amazing for me to say that and that he needs to be traded. I mean, come on, that says something right there. So uh, a team – uh, that can pay him, uh, you know, less uh, as his career is going down. You know, I just say, you know, like the Lakers or someone like that that fits in maybe with that group. Uh, you know, conservatively, he's, he, you know, he's going to sign a three-year deal, you know, worth a hundred mil. Yeah. So, so a hundred million dollars. That if he would have just trade me, get me in a good situation, let's be smooth about it, and they're going to up me for three more years, I'll make another hundred. Plus million, plus my shoe deal, plus whatever. You know, that's two, three hundred million in the long run. Let's just do that. Let me go. 
you know, he, he did it. He chose the other way. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about enor- an enormous amount of money that I believe he's cost himself. And I think of other guys like for different reasons, obviously, but guys like John Morant and others that they have the whole world in front of them, all more money than God. And they just say stupid things and do stupid things. And they cost themselves literally, as you mentioned, hundreds of millions of dollars because of nothing else other than their bad judgment and stupidity. And it's. It's unfortunate. I got to ask you this. I've never asked you this question before, Mo. When I think of a speed bump, I think of annoyance. I think of, oh, no, I got to slow down. I think of, oh, man, there's a speed bump ahead of me. Uh, You know, I'm going to ruin my car if I don't. It's annoying. I think we all agree speed bumps are for safety, but they're annoying. And then I just read that one of your nicknames was speed bump. So I need you to comment on that. (laughs) Well, well, that's not my nickname, and that's not my favorite nickname, but... (laughs) Uh, Eddie Doucette brought that out and when I was playing for the Bucks because I would come off the bench and I got to guard McHale or Parrish or right. whoever. And uh, the idea was, you know, when I come in the game, I'm not going to shut those guys down, but I'm going to slow them down. So that's where that came from. Uh, you know, so I like it. <laughs> maybe I'm not a defensive stopper, but I'm a defensive slowdown guy. <laughs> you know, it's great. Which, cra- which made me, which let me last 12 years in the NBA. Yeah, quite, quite a long career you had. Um, it's interesting <laughs> because you know your stories about, which I love to hear. Obviously, your stories of guarding Larry Bird at the Boston Garden and 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 uh, guarding Wilt Chamberlain when you were younger and, 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 and some of these players that you've guarded and, you know, even though you didn't have to guard point guards, you, you know, who some of the best guards are in the history of the game. So I wanted to ask you about this, uh, Steph Curry, who's obviously, we know he's a wonderful player and incredible athlete. And it seems like a really good family man and a good dude do, by the way, we should point that out. He, he does a lot for charity and pretty good golfer too. Uh, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. I, he's just a good guy and a great player, but he, he said himself, he was raised the right way. Uh, his dad is a friend of mine. We're on the same staff in Charlotte. His mom is class. That's a class family. Yeah. You know what? You're that surprised me. It really did. That he came out and he said he's the best guard of all time. That's what we're. That's why we're bringing up Steph Curry. Yeah, that was my guard or point guard. Yeah, that was my that was my question for you. Um, yeah. What? So you were surprised when you heard him say that? Yeah, but from what I understand. Uh, uh, Brian, he, I think he said, I'm the best point guard ever. Is, is that correct? Correct. correct. That? That's what he said. Okay. He said, I'm the best okay. point guard ever. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because that's two totally th- two different things. He has a better chance of being the best guard ever than point guard ever, because in point guards, you talk about, in my opinion, you talk about assists are more important than points and rebounds in the long run. And, uh, you know, people ask me all this all the time about the gold question. And all that, and I and I played against Larry Bird, Magic Johnson for all of my twelve years. I played against Michael Jordan for eight of my twelve years. Uh, you know, uh, Dominique Wilkins, you know, John uh, Stockton, uh, all these guys I played against. And people ask me, you know, who's the toughest cover, who's the best player, and all that. And my my answer kind of has been in the past. Listen, Michael Jordan, they're all three. Magic, Bird, and Michael Jordan. All three are the most competitive people you'll ever meet. Michael probably more competitive than any of them, which is hard because Bird and Magic were competitive as hell. But Matt, Michael was probably the most competitive, the most athletic, the most dynamic player of all those, right? 
uh, Larry Bird was maybe the most impactful in the game because not only could he score and shoot, light you up in your face, but he can get 15, 18 rebounds, and he can get 15, 18 rebounds uh, and assists. And, hell, he can get 30 points in a game left-handed if he wanted to. <laughs> and he did so, do that. Uh, he did know, do that. <laughs> you know, so he's my, maybe the most impactful. But if I had to start a team, putting together a team, when all everybody's in their prime, the person I would probably pick as number one is Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, in my opinion, uh, and it's, it's, it's close uh, because I, I put John Stockton right there, Isaiah Thomas right there, Bob Cousy is right there mm. uh, as the best point guard. But I would pick Magic because he's 6'8", 6'9", uh, can bring the ball down, distribute the ball. Hell, uh, he, he personally made sure that Kurt Rambis could average 10 points in a game because he passed it to Right. I mean, come on. And, yeah. Uh, he could rebound and he could score when needed. And he knew, uh, you know, when to get guys off, where to get them, how to score. He had that into in me. So, uh, you know, Magic Johnson, in my opinion, I mean, you're talking about me picking between Michael Jordan and Bird and Magic. So am I going to pick between Magic and Steph Curry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm looking at, like, I kind of delve into this a little bit. Magic played for 13 or 14 years. He had a break there because of the AIDS situation. Uh, and in his career, he averaged 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 11 assists. Mm. His best year was in 88, where he averaged 22 points, 8 rebounds, and 13 assists. Mm. Steph Curry averaged, in his best, 24 points, only 4 rebounds, and 8 assists. Steph Curry has never averaged double assists, double-figure assists. Are John you... Stockton was 17 points, 3 rebounds, 14 assists. Isaiah Thomas, who people forget about, 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 14 assists in the game. Those are his best years. I'm... And they all average about 19, 20, but Magic averages 11 assists for his career, and that sets him apart. I agree again, um, and I absolutely put those guys ahead of uh, Steph Curry. I'm surprised because it seems like a lot, yeah, and LeBron is pretty good at this, at uh respecting those who played the game, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. LeBron's pretty good at that. And I feel like, I don't think Steph did it intentionally, but I feel like it was a little bit of disrespect to some of those players that you mentioned. Do you agree or disagree with that? I, I do. And uh, it surprised me because I know Steph a little bit, you know, when he was younger uh, at Davidson, when I was in Charlotte and, uh, you know, played golf with those guys and, uh, you know, so that surprised me. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking in the back of my mind, Brian, doesn't he have a, uh, a show coming out or is out on, on Showtime or something called, uh, uh, shoot, not un, underappreciated or, um, it's called something like that. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I do think he has something like that that's out there. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I haven't, like I haven't seen it. I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I haven't either, but it's called, it's like in the vein of everyone overlooked me. I was small in college, no one thought I could make it in the pros, and yeah, I made it, and look where I am, and, you know, nobody thought I could be a point guard, and nobody thought this and this, and I did it. So that is out now on uh, whatever one of those uh, things I'm going to have to check that and out. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe this is, is, this leads right into this. Listen, 
you know, I'm telling you, I'm I've been overlooked. You know, I'm the best point guard. And this, you know, like the uh blindside guy, right? Yeah. That's now suing the family and actually yeah. and it happens to just be having a book come out called Hello. You know, so I'm wondering uh uh if this is why Steph came out at this time and said something like that, because to me, that's not in his character. Yeah, I think, you know? it, 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 but even if that is true and, and by the way, that makes sense what you're saying, even if that is true, it's in my opinion, it's still wrong. We're all entitled to our opinions, but when you say something like that, and I'm sure, I don't think he believes it. If that's the case, he did it for money. And, and I just, I, I just think it's wrong. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and, you know, he's made a ton of money, number one, and uh, I'm trying to look it up what it's called now. I can't, I can't find I'll it. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I, that, I mean, he's more along the lines like, you, you're right. LeBron's done a great job. Listen, I, I'm, I'm now the most points in the, ever in the history. I get triple doubles, and I'm 80 years old, and I'm still one of the best players in the league. But he always has respect for the older generation, and he never says – Shit, Larry Bird wasn't crap. I'm better than him. You know, and I, I played a power forward, but he never says that. And I think that's the right to go. And I would think Steph Curry would say, listen, uh, you know, people don't see me as it, but in my, I, I think if you look back, I'm one of the better point guards of all time. Check it out. You know? Yeah. I, I think, I think it was kind of a dumb comment and uncar- underrated. Under- underrated. Well, that's absurd. Underrated. No, uh, Steph Curry. That's, that, that's absurd. That's what his thing is called. Yeah, that's what his thing is called. Underrated. How can he call himself underrated? He's an all-star every year. Everybody, uh, he gets all the attention. Everybody says he's he's one of the most prolific scorers, not only today but in the history of the game. Uh, the last person I think about when I think under uh, people think he's un, uh, you know underrated as a player, is Steph Curry. What the hell is he talking about? I, that's weird. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, understand. I think he's that. talking about his past. I think he's talking about his Davidson days, small college. At Davidson, he wasn't anywhere near as it. The, the improvement that he made from year one in the NBA to year three is astronomical. He wasn't that player. He was a great college player, but he wasn't. Nobody thought he would be an NBA all-star in his days at Davidson, right? I mean, some people didn't even think he'd be an, an NBA player because he wasn't. He, the, the achievements he's made, or I should say the improvements he's made in his game since then. I don't know. When he, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Anyway, Mo. Here's and yep. I would put, and I forgot to put his name out here, his best point yep. ever. Yep. And kind of the way he's going, uh, uh, Steve Nash. Yes. Steve Nash out of a small club, and he got two MVPs and, and all that. But, yeah, I, I agree. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to watch that anyway. I, it worked for me because now I'm going to spend money and I'm going to watch it. Mo, I cannot wait until you're back in studio. Uh, congratulations on the successful surgery. Can't wait to see you back here in studio next week, my friend. Get some rest. Listen to your wife. I know you do. And uh, and we will uh, we will see you soon. And uh, glad to see you're doing good, my friend. Okay? We'll get some uh, video poker in here. Yes. We're going to head out to Jackson's one of these days soon. Thanks, Mo. Always appreciate it, my friend. All right, brother. Good to see you. That's Paul McCaskey, everybody, coming off of uh, a successful knee surgery, I am very happy to say. Mo is such a great guy. And uh, we're really happy for him that he's doing well. The man has been in a lot of pain from all the years he played in the NBA and and how hard he played. And uh, I wish other players in the league would play 10% as hard as Paul McKeskey played in his career. Uh, But all it's a testament to him and what a great player, uh, hardworking player he was and had a nice uh, 11-year NBA career. All right. We're going to have some comedians on the show tomorrow. We're going to have some uh, porn stars on the show tomorrow. Yes, we're going to do a little bit of both. And we might even get in a little bit of Donald Trump. 
speaking of porn stars, uh, and the indictment that's taken, or I should say, the uh, him turning himself in on the indictment, uh, the charges uh, right now as we speak. Uh, my thanks also to Amy Tarkanian. I really appreciate her taking the time to call in. We will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great one, everybody.